We're in episode two of Startup Fodder, um, where we're talking to non-founders in startups to sort of learn a bit more about their story um, and what their experience within the realm of startup is like. Uh, I'm Brad, here with my co-host Ben, and we're chatting to Tom Fry, who is a UI designer at The Square, um, and The Square sort of automate construction recruitment. Um, So yeah, Tom, thanks for being here. Thank you, dudes. Um, To get us started out, the question I always sort of like to start off with is, how do you yourself define a startup? A collection of people trying to change the world. Very idealistic. I think is the... Well, that's the ambition everyone starts out with, right? Kind of use of that word. I don't know if you agree with that. But. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to say changing the world because I feel like that's like a definition that, that you get from founders. Like a lot of the mm. time, like somebody, a founder would be like, oh, I'm, I'm disrupting or like I'm changing the world. I'm, I'm doing something like different. Uh, and I guess coming in as like somebody that's, that's not the founder, right? Uh, yourselves and us, like we're not, we're kind of, you know, lower down and we're kind of joining and we're trying to, you know, help that company. Um, I mean, would, would you say you, you think the square is, is changing the world or, or, or getting towards that goal? Yeah, I think, I think, I think it is. And if you take a step back, I think you all, you join us, you don't join a startup because it's just a job, right? You know, when you join the startup, you can have long hours you're typically going to be paid less than the bloke or the woman in the same job who works in a larger company than you. So there's got to be that other element that keeps you in, right? Otherwise, why no sane person would do it. Yeah. So I think you almost do need as much. You don't need the same level of commitment as the founder does or the founders or whatever. Um, but I do think you need a commitment almost similar to in a way because otherwise, why would you do it? Awesome. Well, I guess, I mean, the whole the whole point of this podcast, I guess, is to learn a little bit more about you, the person. Um, so start us off, man. Give us the brief intro to Tom. Like, what did you study? Uh, I still study technically. Uh, I study business management at a private university in uh, central London. And I currently undergo an apprenticeship, which I almost finished, uh, working for the square as a user interface designer. And then I do obviously a host of many other things. So, so they just, sorry to cut in, but they sound um, slightly different in focus, right? So user yeah. interface design and your business management degree. Yeah. So I think when I when I started, I think I took a almost like oh my, I don't know I don't know what the type of word I'm looking for kind of approach is. I kind of dulled down design side. So I thought I can teach myself to design something. You can look at Pinterest. You've got loads. You, over time, you learn process, right? What I can't teach myself or get a qualification in so easily is understanding businesses and how they work and how they operate, how they generate money and the processes that go on belong, but behind that. So I think it was easier for me to go, well, if I learn the business aspect and then I try and learn the design aspect at the same time, I kind of have both of them in the middle, right? So maybe you could say I'm not great at either, but I can, but I have the ability to bring them both together. And I think I have the commitment, as we'll probably talk about later, um, to, to, to see those processes through. So I think that's why I to- chose the business management over the graphics design, UI design sort of course. And I think I got a lot more out of it as well. Where would you say like your, your passion lies though? Would you say it lies in design or, or in business? Uh, I think my, I like design. I don't think I have a necessarily passion for it. I like the whole concept of building things from scratch and people and using them and, and liking them. But I think I'm more an interest in businesses as a general than I do of the actual design if you had to weight them, I would prefer the business side more. So that's why I'm looking to become something like a, a product officer, chief product officer for the next company that I'm moving on to, to kind of evaluate the entire product. And now that I know how a product should really look, and then I know the interface behind it. And obviously I've taught myself to code while I was at university. So I also know the code elements as well. I think I kind of bring all those three aspects together. 
Cool. So now I feel like we have to get into this. Oh, <laughs> this is, is going to make me sound really right. bad. So this is like this is like the key thing um, that I found most interesting about you and why I wanted you to be on this is because I guess for two for two main reasons. One is I'm really curious about your work life balance, and the other is I'm really curious about your motivation and discipline. Because, and I guess to give a little context here, you work a lot. <laughs> so if you were to break your week down, how many hours do you think you work in a week? 15, 16 hours a day. Yeah, so exactly. That's pretty crazy. And I guess the fact that it it's it's more horizontal than you'd think as well. It's not like you have one super, super demanding job that you're working on all the time. It's that you've got your fingers in many pies, right? Yeah, so should you want me to sum them up? Yeah, please what do. Yeah, so I've got university, which requires is, is a three-year process. There's a lot of work. I've got an entire degree apprenticeship, which I have to do four years worth of work in one and a half years, which is concluding soon. Just don't even get me started on that. I have the job to square have a second job which generates income which is another UI job and I have a third job which is soon to pay which is a QA quality assurance kind of role uh, I think that's it I'm uh, assuming yeah. by by your your clever vagueness there that you can't tell us anything about two or three I can't tell you anything about two or three <laughs> maybe in the future maybe in like podcast 258 I'll yeah. tell you what it is uh, we'll bring you back podcast. we'll bring you back but, uh, for then. now unfortunately two or three will remain anonymous just due to the nature of the, the work cool so, I mean, that, that is really intense, especially because it is all these things, um, you know, which spread you so horizontal. Um, and it's so many hours a day. What were you saying? 16 hours, 15, 16 15, hours 16 a day? On average. Seven days a week? Seven days a week. Um, Doesn't include going to the gym. Yeah. So, that, that's crazy to me. Like, I've, I've, never been, I've never been that driven or that motivated or, you know, even forced to do anything that intense. So, the thing I want to ask you straight up <laughs> is just how would you describe your work-life balance? Personally? Yes. I think it's pretty healthy. <laughs> He's lying, Ben. Get him out of here. <laughs> I mean, I think the only thing that's weird about my work-life balance is it's moments of very sort of intense socialising rather than sort of, oh, I'll meet you for an hour or two. It'll be a full-on sort of like seven or eight hour affair. And that's kind of how I work my life. I can't be, I, I have so many commitments, like, like we detail to, to go through, oh, you know, I'll be in an hour here in the park and it does I just can't work my life like that I can't work my life off this one hour I can't work my life around that so why do is I try to segment them into blocks so like we will do this for like six or seven hours or we'll go out on the weekend for like four or five in the morning and I'll come back and do the work in the evening it's almost like segmenting blocks of socializing and I think my friends have kind of gotten used to that kind of lifestyle that I live and so we we kind of all coordinate almost without thinking about it now and I make time as I can for that so it's almost, yeah, rather than like small little bits here and now, I will do segments, blocks, and then I'll be almost like tick, I've done some socializing for the day, got my like, personality out, and now I will repress it and do some work. Okay, so technically, how do you manage this thing? Like, is it a calendar type deal where you literally put aside the time in your calendar to do something social? No, I hate my calendar. I have a deep hatred of my calendar. I, feel, I almost feel like it's too rigid. I think if I put everything in my calendar, A, I'd be horribly depressed. So I'd see all the work that I'm doing and be like, we have to reevaluate my life. Yeah. Away. What's the, is, what is like the default calendar event thing in Google? Is it blue or something? You just yeah. have like a fully blue calendar. Yeah, I'm as much as I like the color blue, it's depressing. To look <laughs> so I almost, I almost shy away. Like at work, I'm horrifically organized with my work life. Trello, Jira, Slack, and my calendar and that. But my personal life, I don't plan anything. Almost, I, well, I plan, but I don't write anything down. 
I think because I'm so used to having that kind of regimented, it's almost, I almost like the anticipation of it may happen an hour later than I think, or it may happen an hour earlier. I think, so that's why I don't write stuff. I, I, even for work, really, I don't even use a calendar these days because I've got so regimented, I know what I'm doing anyway. And I, you kind of like, I think I always liken it back to when I started secondary school, we had a timetable. It was two weeks, each day was unique and then it scheduled each two weeks. And I just found it now, I quite quickly adapted to understanding already, I know what those two weeks are within like maybe two or three weeks of being there. I already know what that calendar is going to be for the next few weeks. So I already plan very far ahead, but I just don't write it down. Yeah, okay. And I think by writing it down almost like solidifies my time. And I do like to be as flexible as humanly possible because obviously I've got friends. I do have, want to be social. So if I put like, oh, it has to happen at 9 a.m. till 6 p.m., almost like I feel like it locks me out. Whereas I'm quite happy to be like, oh, I'll do 9 a.m. till 10 or 9 a.m. till 11. I'll have two hours. My friends will go and we'll go for lunch and then I'll come back and work. I feel like almost it'd be make me too regimented. I would be flexible enough and I can't be bothered to maintain a thing. So are your social plans more spontaneous then or do you plan? They're a lot more spontaneous. They're not like, oh, we'll plan six weeks in advance and we're going to here. It'll almost be like on the day, we're going here for like three or four hours or whatever, however long it is. Yeah, okay. you just what, like chuck out a message and be like, yeah, yeah, you guys want to do this. Yeah, so we have a, I have two large group chats with two good sections of friends and they'll just chuck something out. We're going to the park, it's a really nice day, especially like in London in the summer. Be like, like take uh, Saturday, for example, I was in here at work from, from about 12 till, till six and five o'clock came and they were all going to Victoria Park at six o'clock. So I was up and out there straight away. And I just carried on with the hour left I had when I got home after that. So yeah, I kind of like to keep my social life as spontaneous as humanly possible. But obviously if it's like a holiday, obviously I have to plan those things. So I I do make time for that. I can't even fathom this, Ben. I need you to ask questions now. I don't even know what to ask next. I'm just blown away by this. It's interesting you say like if it's a holiday, you, you, you know, it's different. You plan like... Do you ever feel like you're you're missing out on anything by having such an intense work life? Like, do you ever feel like, oh shit, like I'm, I haven't gone away for a while, or like oh, I'm I, I'm not doing X Y Z because I'm always working? Uh, yes, and no. So yeah, I think I think holiday wise, I'm not so fast. I think it's more the general social life that I almost feel like I do miss out quite a lot on. Uh, you can book a holiday; everyone knows in advance, everyone's ready for it. But it's the occasion like, oh, we're, we're going to meet at like five and you know you can't do five because you're at work and then you've got so much work to do after that that it's just never going to fit in that day and you can't bring it over to the next day because the next day's already full and so forth. So, you know, I do think, yeah, do think I generally do sometimes think, oh God, you know, it'd be nice to just be like, go away for like maybe a, a few, a day or like a weekend or whatever. But sometimes you just like, you can't do that. And I think I've gone into the process of understanding where I, I'm trying to work to a goal that's almost like so much bigger than that that I shouldn't really be thinking about that. But I think you can't not think that, oh, my mates are out there having fun now and I'm sat in the office doing work. And there's no one else here. It's just me. How sad is that? Um, and I think, yeah, I think I think you do you do feel that because, you know, you, you see that. That's why I try and stay off social media. I feel like it's almost a distraction. Like, oh, they're out there doing that. And you're like, oh, I do. If I look at it, I'll be like, oh, go away and I there. And I'd rather just like focus, get the work done. And then I can go out and join but yeah, no, I do think in the general social life, I feel like I do, yeah, I do suffer. But in like the, the holiday one, nah, because it's planned, everyone knows that. Okay, so you don't, Reset. but obviously like that doesn't outweigh, right? Because you don't feel like you suffer enough that you'd ever um, change the way you live your life, essentially. Like you'd always... Uh, no, I think it's, I think, um, no, I don't think I would really, even, if, even with that, to be fair. Because I, I think I've got so many, 
Like, you know, we didn't talk about jobs two or three, so I don't talk about them. They're both such so interesting, like, roles, and they have the chance to, like, go on to become very successful companies in their own right. They're almost like saying, oh, no, I'd rather socialize and do that. I would almost feel like I'm shooting myself in the foot career-wise. And, like, if you think, if I have three jobs, I'm getting three loads of almost, I'm working with three different companies who have three different work ethics, who have three different products, who work to three different timescales, who work to three different uh, management methods. How much you learn from just doing that one funnel? I probably I sacrifice almost social life in the short term, in like the year, the two years I do this, to almost gain. I want to do a detour, but I want to keep it really short because I want to stay on the work-life balance thing. Jobs two and three, you can't tell us anything about them. Can you tell us how those opportunities came to be, like really briefly? Because like you're already, you know, you're already like flat out doing at least university and one full-time job. Some people struggle to, you know, who want to get into startup struggle to make the first leap into just, you know, the first role. And you've gone and snatched up effectively like three roles. I know they're not full time, but like how did two and three happen really quickly? Oh, yeah, it's really simple. Um, put yourself out there and do something distinctive. Don't be like everyone else. So obviously the one thing that I define myself unique as is my ability to, to work long hours day in, day out, regardless. And that quantified in me getting the first job, which would be job number two by proxy of the people who offered me the job being next to me at the time when I was doing that kind of like manic work downs, which I still do today. And the second one, most more recently, very recently, in fact, came about from exactly the same. It's more of a not so close perspective, but it was an acknowledgement of that. I will be there if necessary to do that job. And if I can't do it, I will learn how to do it. Yeah. And so like you, you were like, you're like physically in the same space as you. These are people you'd seen around. Yes. I've yeah. met, but I worked almost in the same place as both of the jobs that I have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, I mean, there is the way if, yeah, Connor is a guest, he gets his from online. Whereas I prefer to actually know the people I work with on a, on a more personal level. But anyway, yeah, that leaves I would probably say be distinctive. You have to be unique in some way. Otherwise, why would someone choose you? And so oh. your thing's being the Terminator. Gotta be determined, just, man. Just never dies. Just always keep there. going. If you think you're good tired, I'm not that tired. Someone fighting. Oh, you think my- I don't even think I've ever seen you yawn. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think my philosophy's always been like my job isn't hard. My two jobs aren't hard. My three jobs aren't hard. There are people out there who do a much tougher job than I do. And they get a lot less thanks for a lot less money or a lot less. Like if you take my like, I think my most perspective always draws back to my dad was in the military. So he fought in the Falklands War. Did get any thanks for that really? He was up for three weeks. I was straight. He had trench foot. He got shot at. He watched his mates blown up. My job's not that hard. So I, that's why I don't complain about it. Because there are people out there who do a much tougher job than I do. Got a lot less thanks and a lot less. Like, I get to work in a beautiful office with some really cool people. Some very cool people. I'd some like to note cool that people. Tom gestured to us when he said really <laughs> cool people. Um, you know, so my, at the end of the day, if, I think I don't say my, my job, my life isn't hard. My half's really easy, in fact, compared to some people's. So, like, go, going, like, from away from, like, if it's hard or not, do you enjoy it? I love it. You love it? Yeah, I don't think I, don't think I could do it if I didn't enjoy it. I think Steve Jobs once said, you, you'll only ever do something you love. You'll know you love it when you just want to keep doing it, right? Or you will keep doing it. If you if you get to that point and be like, nah, I can't be bothered, it's Saturday afternoon, you don't love it that much. And I, wonder, I wonder, though, if the people, like, underneath him enjoyed it in the same way right because like, he's the boss man but like he has a bit of a reputation for being a bit of an asshole. oh definitely. as a boss definitely but i mean who builds a company worth almost a trillion dollars a being mr nice and b not trying to push your employees to the absolute brink of their humanity to the point that they almost cry 
I think. I mean, that was his defining feature. I don't think it's the best way to manage yeah. people. But was he ever pushed by his boss to the absolute brink of whatever your phrase was just before? Um, I don't think... Obviously, he was never pushed because he was the boss, right? But frame I always put it in is you can work in a company and you, so you can manage 10 people. As a bloke manager, you manage 20 people. He's got to manage... He had to manage, sorry, at the time. Probably at 40,000 people he's responsible for. I mean, that's a strain in itself, right? You make one decision, you cut off those people out straight away. And that's an effect, a ripple effect. And you've got people almost pressing you from the top, which would be your shareholders and your stakeholders. And you've got people pressing you from below, the people who are actually paying and they need to deliver, right? You're almost being sandwiched in between that kind of, that gap. And I don't want to get too hung up on Steve Jobs because he was a very unique character anyway. But, but so, go on, yeah. I was going to throw something out. I was going to say like, but you know, let's say we, we're rubbing a crystal ball here and we look into your future and let's say you never ever get to like a boss man level position. You never get to that chief executive position. You don't become, you know, the CPO. Mm. You're just going to be pushed to the very brink again of whatever the phrase you said before was for the rest of your career. Would you still do it? Yeah. So you, you, you actually enjoy what it is right now. Yeah. I mean, I think it's always, always good to work towards a goal. Oh, yeah, of course. But if you don't like it in the here and now, you'll never go anywhere anyway. I think that's my... I mean, it's kind of brutally brutal. And I think a lot of people probably disagree with that, but that's my point of view. Like, If you don't love it now, you'll never go anywhere with it anyway. It'll get to that point where it gets so difficult and you get into those roles that are so difficult and you're so not suited to be in. That, like, I think the best example I watched was take Uber. When Uber became huge, there were a load of people in that management structure got promoted like six or seven times rapidly and they were in a position they had no right to be in. And it's only through the right they taught themselves how to do those positions. They put the grind in because they really love what they did. They managed to become almost successful managers in their own right. Um, and then we can argue whether it was politically correct or not. I think we can argue that another day. But um, yeah, I think I would still do it if I knew I was never going to achieve anything because I do enjoy what I do now anyway. So you say you enjoy the moment, which I guess is like is is motivating to an extent it's like it helps you to you know every day but like like there must be times you flag right when you're when you're working you work 12 hours and you're like just fuck this like i just want to go home do you do you hit those points and like how do you deal with those points is it is it a is it a discipline is it a muscle you've trained to be able to go no i'm going to push through or do you just have that innate motivation how, how does that work i, th- I think it's a discipline I, th- I think you can be highly motivated but you're super those points anyway yeah. there'll be a point where your motivation will always run out and you'll start to be like, why am I doing this? Why am I here at this time? Why, why is no one else here? I think it's, a, I think it's a, you train yourself to do it. It's a discipline that you kind of accept. Like if you want, if I want to take on three jobs and I want to do all three to the best ability I possibly can and get almost like the most I can get out of them, there's no, re, there's no way I can just stop halfway on a day. Because not only do I let myself down because I think I haven't finished the best, I let almost like a full chain of people down. So let's say on a Sunday I've got two companies I'm working with, I'm going to split the work 50-50. I've done the prep so I know I can do it. And I get halfway through the day and I f- do 50-50 of each of those jobs. There's almost two, there's two people I've immediately let down with the two people that employed me. Then there's a whole collection of people mm-hmm. under them who I've also let down. So I think it also drives you because like no one wants to be, no one wants to walk into a meeting and be like, oh, what have you done this week? And you can't say anything because that's just crap. I've been in that situation. I've done that when I was, when I was learning terrible experience never do that again so yeah i think it's a it's a discipline that you try to teach yourself yeah definitely you have to you really have to grind through the pain to kind of like oh okay i can keep going there okay so like do you and you probably know my next question but do you have any kind of tips or tricks to train that discipline like were you always disciplined or did you kind of get better at it and how how did you get better at it no i was shit 
I was ter- I used to play when I was in secondary school. I used to play PlayStation. I was going out of fashion. Be on there every day, talking to me mate, shouting at the TV. Doing my control at the TV when I lost FIFA because I was rubbish at it. Mainly because I was rubbish at most video games that day. No, I think, it sounds so, like you don't really play video games anymore. I don't play That's video gone. games anymore. Um, I don't know the last time I played a video game. <laughs> Maybe I played Call of Duty once, but I got bored halfway through because I couldn't really, I couldn't connect with it very much. Um, no, so first of all, it's a generic point, but everyone says it. You to do the work that I do, you really have to enjoy what you do. Yeah. There's no question about that. When I first went to uni, I wanted to wear a suit, be a, be a banker, and I realised I really don't want to do that. And I see the impact that has on people who do jobs for years, but they're not very interested in doing that. You're like, well. Why are, you, why are you doing it? You're never going to do A, a very good job at it. B, you're never going to want to keep doing it, right? So I think, first of all, flat out, you've got to be interested. That's the baseline. If, you're not in, if you, you know you're interested, if you start at nine and you say, I'm not going to finish until nine tonight, if you can't make that gap, you don't care that much for it. I think that's kind of like a key test to do. Even if you just spend a day, you'll know immediately, I don't want to do that that much. Okay, if you're not willing to get to a point where you, you get to a point of one where you're like, nah. I wouldn't say you don't love it. I, I definitely wouldn't say that. I think you reach that point. Most people reach. You're like, oh, do I really want to do this on an entire day of my life? And you'll know if you go. Mm, do you want? Yeah, I do. You found the thing that you really care about. And then the second thing is almost like managing your 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 expectations. Like you should not expect to be the most social person in the room. There's always going to be someone who can who has an easier job than you and they'll be able to socialize more than you. But what you should also think is how much benefit you get out of that. So I have three jobs. Like I said, I've worked three different managers. I've worked three different types of people. I gather a lot more data about the world and how businesses work and how startups work than almost anyone I know, just by that point of being involved in with three different businesses and three yeah. different people, how they run them. So you think my perspective there is fueled th- almost three times what most people would be filled. And you think the perspective that gives you when you enter a new business, be like, I, you know, I've worked for different types of managers. I, not to say I'm the best employee ever, but you know, you work in, you have all this perspective on how A, you think things should be done, how B, shouldn't be done. And it, I think it brings it back to our point of, you know, kind of do you do one task or do you learn to do many tasks at the same time? And I think, I think that kind of width gives you such an advantage today. So yeah, they're, they're my key tips. You, first of all, you've got to love what you do. It's a simple test. If you really don't want to do it, you don't do it. Don't waste your time. It's a waste of your own. You'd be wasting your own effort anyway. Um, B, you have to be determined. There's no, there's no doubt about that. If you, if you get to a point when you're starting to falter, if you can't break through that barrier, you'll never get there. Like waking up, if you can't wake up at six twenty to go to the gym in the morning, you don't really want to go to the gym that much. I think that's a really good <laughs> test to do. At five forty-five, not six twenty. You should be in the gym by six twenty. <laughs> um, I think they're the two biggest points. Okay, but on that second one, I had a little bit of difficulty with that because. It's really hard to just flip a switch, right? And just oh, be like determined 100% yeah. from day one. So if you've, if you've met the first test, the criteria, you're like, yeah, this is definitely something I love to do, but I'm struggling, like I'm struggling to keep at it and break through these barriers. What's your best actionable insight for just like, this is what you should try and do, hypothetical person X, to break mm. through those barriers? Think what you get out of it. What do you get back? So you, you often do a task to get something back, right? What's the reward that you're looking for? Are you looking for to be paid loads of money? I would say don't bother. Don't work in a startup anyway. <laughs> um, you're in the wrong industry. To beat that determination, you really have to know a lot about yourself. And that's probably the most important bit is knowing a lot, whether you can actually do it or not. You'll know deep down whether you want to do something or not. It's kind of like, and uh, people can sniff immediately whether you're interested or not. 
in what you're doing. So that's probably the, the, the biggest point I'd raise. When you get to that point of, uh, uh, think of the reward you're going to get out of it. Do you really care for the reward that you'll get? It won't be a financial reward. It could be a experience. It's almost really quite small. You could have that meeting with that, that one business that you work with and it could go really well. And that's like the reward that I live off. Delivering work that people enjoy and then the people end up using enjoy as well. That's what I feed off of it. And then the, the, the value I get back in the knowledge that I've earned doing that task. If you're not willing to accept those kind of rewards, I think then that you failed the second test. It's, it's almost like taking the abstract rewards. Almost like when they tell you in, when you're football, it's the uh, taking part that counts. If you go, uh, which um, we all did a secretary school, right? like, I don't want to do that. Now, I think in my line of work, if you do that, if you go, uh, you're not really involved in it. You've got to be able to take that non, non-tangible non reward almost. Okay. One thing I have to ask, and it might be it might be hard for you to provide this answer, is like you've come from a military family. You've mentioned that a couple of times. What do you think your discipline today would look like if you didn't have that background? I think it's the foundation of where my, my motivation lies today. It's almost the foundation of me as a person. Because you're brought up in such a, like, almost like the, the way my dad used to explain to me is you don't join the military to do a job. You join the military to be broken. And they're designed, the tests are, are hard because they're designed for you at one point, you'll snap from being a civilian to a member of the military, right? You can't be a civilian in the military. They're two different lifestyles. You never want to go on a ship for nine months, sailing around the world, never see your family. It's a military lifestyle. So I think that's why it's the foundation. It's almost like you might, almost like you were cracked as a child to be like, this is how the military view the world, which is not to say being a civilian is incorrect. There's two, I think they both have more than valid and both have drawbacks. So I, like I said, I sacrifice social life and whatnot for, for that kind of idea, ideology that I follow. Idea, ideology, that's the word I'm looking for. But I think it's the foundation. So, you know, being brought up on like that kind of like, if my bed wasn't made, boom, I was screwed. So it's made every day now. I think it's like, first of all, you form those like foundation habits. You get into that routine and you learn a lot about controlling yourself, what you really want to do and refine, almost like refining, I think. You refine the process to be like, I started off playing video games. I realized I didn't really have much interest in video games. I more liked how the video games looked. And I was like, well, I'm more like how actually the, the UI that you use is what I'm actually interested in. And then you work towards that. It's almost like that kind of refinement. I do it my in my entire life. It's like if I so if it's a process that doesn't provide any value, that takes me a few minutes. I just bin it. I don't want to do that anymore. So that's I think that's it's the ability to almost like cut out things without mercy and just be like, oh, that's pointless. I'm, I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah. So I think it's um, generally the foundation of the person I am today. <laughs> so I've, I do have one last question, just to really throw like a, a spanner in the works for the whole work life balance thing. If you were going to die in three years, Shit. how would your approach to work and life change really think it would frankly i don't think i don't know actually that's a, that's a hard question because i figured if it's one year it's just that's too sudden everyone always yeah, chooses fair. crazy life so let's say you've got three years left it's a guaranteed certainty how would your work life balance change i think for the first two years i take on even more work than i already do that would be more than i think i'd switch it from the it's kind of like i was talking about the non-tangible asset to the tangible asset which would be the money work as hard as I could for two years so that that final year I do whatever I want. It doesn't matter. I can enjoy that year. I've worked and I know if I, when I do die, if it's a set day, I know I'm going to die on that day. I've worked bloody hard to do that one thing off that I always wanted to do. That's probably what I would do. 
That's that's really interesting because like that's still answer, right. No, no, no. Because <laughs> it's interesting because you're still delaying the reward. Still goes with your kind of life philosophy of you know working hard because you're still going okay. I'm going to work really hard for like a, a period of time and then get my reward later, which is the whole idea of discipline, right? Yeah. Being able to delay that reward until such a time when it's, it's greater, but at the same time, you know, you don't have your chocolate now, you have two chocolates later. Um, yeah, or still, you never eat the chocolate. <laughs> or you never eat the chocolate. The massive bulk collection of chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's the problem with discipline, though. It's like when you get to the point you're like, you keep going, all right, here's the reward. If I wait now, I can get an even bigger reward. I leave it and then you just keep going. I think that's the one worry I have is I keep going on that process and I don't know how to stop. And then you, you never cash like, your chips in. Yeah, you never cash your chips in. So you end up with like billion pounds or whatever and you've never used it. And you're like, oh. Yeah, I just it, put, it all, put it all on black. Yeah, lose all of it <laughs> and then it would all work for nothing. But then it wouldn't matter because you wouldn't <laughs> get used anyway. So yeah, I think that's that. Wicked, brilliant. Woo. Thanks so much for being here. Tom Fry, UI designer for The Square. Um, lovely to have you, man. That was really fun. Thank you, dude. Yeah, Love thanks, Third co-host. Let's nail it. Sign that contract <laughs> now. Where is it? <laughs>